So listen, uh, I have heard that this last year, uh, gardening uh, was off the charts for people. People were really into their gardening. I don't know if it's because they didn't want to go shopping, uh, you know, or so on. But does anybody grow a garden at all this last year? A few people, okay. Um, and uh, I, I'm good at killing things, but we have tried to grow things and uh, with some, some success. Uh, and so this passage we're on today really has to do with things that are fruitful, all right? And God wants us to be fruitful. And so let's go to prayer right now. Let's ask God to help us understand what he has for us today, okay? Heavenly Father, we are just so thankful that you're with us here. Uh, you said wherever two or three are gathered together in, in your name, there I am in their midst in a unique way. We believe that you are with us. And so, Lord, we uh, just want to pray this morning that you would minister to every person here, whether they're in person or whether they're online, listening and watching. We, we pray, God, that your Holy Spirit would be working in their hearts to draw them to yourself uh, and that they would trust Jesus if they have not already put their faith in him. But we thank you so much for the, for the forgiveness that we, that we receive when we put our faith in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. And that that's a forever forgiveness, and that is an incredible gift, like it says in Ephesians chapter 2, that it's a gift of God. We just need to receive it. And Father, I just want to pray too for anyone here, uh, anyone here or in our church family that is struggling, that's really having a hard time, God, I just pray that you would um, strengthen their hands, strengthen their faith. Uh, if they're in despair or in discouragement, Lord, we just pray that you lift them high and place them on the rock that is Christ. And Lord, help us to see our role being your hands and your feet to the body of Christ. Lord, help us to, to love on them and to, to be aware, Lord, of their needs and to see uh, and to know when it's our opportunity to meet a need. We pray for healing for those that need your healing. Uh, and we, we, we desire uh, what goes on in heaven to come down here to earth. We, we desire for the future to be present when, when there will be no sickness and no disease. And, and Lord, we, so we, we lift up our brothers and sisters, our family members that are hurting and ask for your healing. And so, Lord, we also just pray that you give us ears to hear today. In Jesus' name, amen. So we've been going through a series that has to do with our identity in Jesus Christ. All right, we don't, we, we've learned, we've mentioned this a number of times, we don't want to get our identity from anybody else other than God. But the problem is we get a lot of messages coming our way, right? Uh, whether it's through television or whether it's through social media or maybe even voices we hear from the past, uh, things that people said to us growing up about who they said we were or how we were. And uh, I'm here to tell you, that should not define you, okay? Uh, if you're in Christ, if you're a Christian, uh, if you put your faith in Jesus, you have an identity. We've talked about in this series how we've been given, uh, we are made new. We're a new creation. The old is past, the new has come, it says in 2 Corinthians. And so we've been going through these different uh, aspects of who we are. As believers. And today, we're on this one where if you're a Christian, you can say, I am a branch of the true vine. I'm a branch of the true vine. And this morning, I'm going to talk about just what does that mean? Now, we're not going to have uh, 
the opportunity to look at this like super, super in depth. But um, because uh, as I as I was studying this out, I'm like, man, first of all, the gospel, John, John's a tricky writer. Uh, I'm not saying he's he's meaning it to be, but when it gets translated from the Greek into the English, some things get a little tricky. All right, and so uh, I'm not alone in that. Uh, my research tells me that. Okay, um, and so, but this morning we're going to be in this passage in John chapter 15, and um, we haven't done this for a long time. But if if you're able, and if you're not able to do this, and you're not, that's fine. But let's stand. We're going to read the Word of God aloud together. I've got the verses up here on the screen. And if you're at home watching, uh, uh, say the Word aloud with us if you would like. Um, but let's just read these verses together. i got a verse at a time here, and let's just read it aloud together. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, He is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends, if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. This is the word of God. Please have a seat. We haven't done that for a while, so I appreciate you guys uh, reading with me. Um, And so like I said, here we are. Uh, talking about uh, that as a, if you're a believer, part of your identity is that you are a branch in the true vine. Now, when Jesus identifies himself as the true vine, um, I think he's referring back to Israel, okay? Um, in the Old Testament, right, God's chosen people were, was Israel. Um, and so when you read about them and Isaiah and Jeremiah, oftentimes there's a reference. He he talks about Israel as his vine. It's never good. Uh, I mean, I like think 99% of the times I would say he mentions Israel as a vine. It's not bearing good fruit or it's lacking fruit and so on. And so when Jesus comes out and says, I am the true vine, 
I think part of what he's saying is, I'm doing it the way it should be done. You failed, I'm succeeding and have succeeded, okay? And so that's what he's saying. And so I think at that time, those people would have known the references to, to um, the vine and how Israel was the vine, right? Um, and so I think that helps us get a little insight here into what he's, what he's talking about. But there are several things I want to point out here. And like I said, um, there are entire books that have been written on John 14 to 17, those, those chapters. It's called the uh, Farewell Discourse because uh, Jesus is getting ready to leave them, right? Um, of course, they, they don't fully understand everything, right? He's going to be crucified, raised again, and then be with them for a while. And then he'll ascend, right? And send another comforter, he said, the Holy Spirit. And so, but this farewell discourse, this is part of that, okay? And uh, just so much have been studied and, 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 and written about this, about how this applies to our life, okay? Uh, and so I encourage you, study this out uh, as any part of the Bible. But I'm just saying John 14 to 17 has had a special place in a lot of people's hearts because Jesus is really speaking from the heart. He's, he's preparing his disciples for what is to come and how to live. And so there's a lot of rich things here. So the first thing I want to talk about this morning from the passage is that we're saved to be fruitful. We are saved to be fruitful. We've, we've talked about in this series about how you can be saved, right? You, you put your faith in Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Of course, you have to realize that you need a Savior before you get to that place. It's like anything, right? You've you got to find out that you're good and lost before you need, the, you need a Savior, right? And, um, and so it's the same way, spiritually speaking. And so what we need to do is realize that we're lost, that we're sinners in need of a Savior, and that Christ is the one and only Savior, right? And that he came to, uh, to die on the cross as, uh, in our place, right? And so, so if you have put your faith in Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, uh, then you can say that you're saved. That's what we're saying. Saved from what? Saved from um, damnation, saved from your sin, you know, all of that. And so, but we're saved for a purpose, okay? That's the thing, is, is, is in this passage, there are many things, but one of the things is very clear that we're saved for a purpose, and that is we're saved to be fruitful. Saved to be fruitful. So take a look at verse 8 again from John 15. It says, by this is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Um, well, there's a couple things in there. One is that God is glorified by us bearing fruit, and he would like us to bear much fruit. I think that's cool. It's not like he's like, I want to see a lot of fruit in your life. But then he's also saying that this fruit is somehow evidence that we are his disciples. Okay? This fruit is evidence that we are his disciples. We'll kind of get into what is the fruit um, I think there are some hints to us in this passage specifically what this fruit is. Now, there could be all kinds of fruit uh, maybe alluded to, but I think in the passage there's a couple. And also in verse 16, though, it says, Jesus said, you did not choose me, but I chose you. Think about this. Jesus is, think about him saying this to you. I know he's saying this to the disciples, but by implication, we are, if you're a follower of Jesus, you are a disciple too. And so imagine him saying, I chose you, 
Charlie or Thomas or Mary or whoever. He's saying, I chose you and appointed you so that you would go and bear fruit. It's like, I want you to be fruitful, and I've chosen you for that purpose. So um, if you were confused on what God wants to do with your life today, I could tell you one thing, is he wants you to be fruitful, okay? Uh, he wants you to be fruitful. And uh, I just love this because, you know, so, so he didn't save you so that you could sit, soak, and sour, all right? He saved you to do something, okay? And we've mentioned that too. Uh, in an earlier message in this series, Ephesians 2.10 says we're saved for good works that he's prepared, prepared, prepared for beforehand, right? And so we, we know that there's stuff he's got for us to do, right? Well, and part of that is fruit bearing. He wants us to bear fruit. And realizing that he wants us to bear fruit because he receives the glory, Okay? When we are fruitful in our lives, spiritually speaking, God receives the glory, okay? Now, it is kind of interesting to note um, that in verse 6, it says, If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered and thrown to the fire and burned. Uh, also, in Earlier in verse 2, it says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, okay? Um, now, I don't believe that, that that means that you can lose your salvation, but I do believe that what it means is some people that are experiencing some of the blessings of God amongst the true saints of God are not really true Christians because there's not real fruit coming in their lives, spiritual fruit, okay? They could even go through the motions, okay? The outward motions, but maybe there's not real true fruit. Now, it's, um, you know, only God really knows those who are his ultimately, but humanly speaking, he has said that there needs to be some fruit, okay? And so I think what he's saying there is, um, you know, and a lot of people... um, are confounded, and I understand why they're confounded by this, because he's saying, these are branches that were in me, and he's saying that he's throwing them away. Um, and so, I think like any metaphor, you can take it too far, okay? You can like, you, know, you can try to read something that every little thing, and my take on it is that we can read too much into what that aspect means, and just simply, but what we need to know is, it's important that we're bearing fruit, Okay, because that's evidentiary of the life of Christ in us. Okay, um, and so I haven't stated this explicitly yet, but I will now. You know, Jesus is the one who says he is the true vine. God the Father is the vine dresser. He's doing some work. We'll see what some of that work is here in a minute. He works on he works on the branches. Okay, and so uh, and, and and so. This is important for us to understand that though he has uh, a purpose for us when we cross the line of faith, when you put your faith in Christ, he wants you to bear fruit. That's what he wants to do. He wants to bear fruit in your life so that he will receive the glory. Okay? It's not so that you can say, look what, look what I've done. 
Um, and then hopefully when, you, when you're able to acknowledge God's work in your life, you do the, just that. You, you say, God has done this. You know, it's, it's fine to testify to what he's done, and to, you know, to say this is the change that God's made in my life. He's done this and that and the other. And you just say, it's him. It's him. He's helped me. Yes, I had to put forth effort, but he's empowered me to do that. Right? So we're saved to bear fruit. All right? Now, the second thing in this passage uh, that I think is very clear is that this fruit is at least two things. Because we're kind of wondering, well, what does it mean? What does the fruit look like? You know? Uh, and I think there are at least two things that the fruit is referring to. Christ-like love would be one. And the missional heart for the lost is another. Now, we could go to other places in Scripture that talk about fruit in the life of a believer. You could go to Galatians, where it talks about the fruit of the Spirit. And that certainly may be a component of fruit. But I'm, I was trying to stick to this passage and to say, are there signs in this passage what this fruit might be? And I think there is. I think uh, we saw in verse 12 and 13... It talks about love for one another. He says, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I loved you. Greater love is no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. And so um, an aspect of this fruit that God wants us to bear is love for one another. And you will see this type of language in the letters that John wrote also. In 1 John, uh, specifically, I'm thinking that he would say, you know, if you don't love your brother, the love of God is not abiding in you. Again, there's this connection, right? If I'm, if I'm connected to the vine, right, if, I, if, if I'm in Christ, right, then what's going to happen is he's going to work within me uh, a love for my brothers and sisters, okay? A Christ-like love for my brothers and sisters. Now, Hey, let's just face it. Some of us are more lovable than others, right? And that just depends on who you are, <laughs> right? Uh, some of us, you know, sometimes it's the personality clash, uh, you know, the differing of passions that we have for different things. But, you know, if we're filled with the Spirit, that Spirit can be what some have said is like the oil that helps us kind of uh, love one another and work together, even amongst our differences, okay? So... So this, is, uh, this love for one another, I think, is one aspect of the fruit. All right. Now, another aspect is what I had I've phrased as a missional heart for the lost. Uh, that, that, you know, spreading the gospel seed, if you will. Having a heart for people that, that don't know Jesus. Or whether you, maybe you don't know where they stand spiritually. And so you'd like to know because you want them to know the Savior. You want them to experience the the blessing that he is, and, and uh, certainly eternally, but also just even here and now, right? And so um, when you look at verse 16, it said, Jesus said, again, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you, now listen to what it says, and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. And so I think within that is this missional component, whether it's go across the fence to your neighbor or across the cubicle at work, or whatever, or going uh, to another country, whatever the Lord may call you to do, he is saying that 
part of the fruit bearing is related to spreading the gospel and being a witness. Okay, as it says in Acts 1.8, right? You shall be my witnesses, right? Um, and that's when the Spirit is poured out on God's people. It says, you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Aegea, right? And to the othermost parts of the earth. So he, he, he wants us to be a witness to the gospel, right? And uh, part of that is definitely sharing God's story of salvation, okay? And, and, and oftentimes people like to share their story about how God's story intersected with theirs, how he saved them. And that can be an opportunity to transition to how that person could also know Christ. But oftentimes these things don't happen in one conversation. They happen through the course of a relationship, an authentic relationship, not like I'm only doing this because I want to do this, you know. No, it's, a, it's out of a love. It's out of a love just for um, your fellow human being. You want them to know uh, what Christ has done, and you care for them, right? And so, um, so part of this fruit is evangelistic in nature, right? And, and we're not in control of, we're not in the job of saving people, okay? God is. Uh, we're, God has chosen, though, to make believers the delivery mechanism, okay, for the gospel, right? He wants us to share the gospel and to live out our lives in a way that, um, people see Christ in us so that we can give a, as the scripture says, a reason for the hope that's in us, right? Why are you this way? Well, let me tell you, God has done a work in my life. I would like to tell you about that and so on, right? So, so I really think at the very least, there's these two aspects of fruit. One is a love for one another, and another is just um, this uh, spreading the gospel, witnessing, just, you know, sh- you know, Hopefully, um, you know, carrying out Jesus' great commission, as it's come to know, right, in Matthew 28, to go and make disciples of all the nations, right? Um, so um, that's important. So that is the, the nature, I think, of some of the fruit. It could be more than that, but just from the passage, I, I, I see some hints there, okay? All right, now, a logical question, I think, is, well, um, so how do we bear this fruit? Right? If, if, if we're saved to be fruitful, and if some of the fruit is supposed to look like love and as well as uh, being on mission, uh, then um, how do we bear that fruit? Right? Um, well, I'm glad you asked. Um, we bear the fruit by abiding in Christ and accepting God's pruning. And we see both of these in the passage. Right, uh, we see both of these. I'm going to start off with the more painful one, and that is the pruning. The pruning um, in verse two of John 15, uh, it says, "Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away." We talked about that. We feel like those are not true believers. Is my take on that? And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes it that it may bear more fruit. So. The pruning, um, you know, I, I think probably what that is, uh, we don't have a definition here, but what happens, um, you know, when a gardener is pruning, let's say a rose bush or something, right? You're going to cut it way back, right, so that it will have wonderful, fragrant flowers when it's time, right? But you have to do something that's probably, you know, if the plant could talk, it's not very comfortable, right, to be cut 
right? And same thing with the vine analogy, the branches that are bearing some fruit. He wants to prune uh, and, and allow some things in our lives or bring some things in our lives uh, because he knows that by doing so, it will make us more fruitful. That's the whole purpose. So, you know, pruning uh, could be that God is taking some things out of our lives because they're hindering us in our walk with Jesus. You know, he might be, uh, you know, orchestrating things in our lives, some difficulties, because he knows that this will prepare the way for fruitfulness. Whether something that is happening in our lives that we're allowing to uh, continue is really hindering us, drawing us away from Jesus, drawing us away from what we'll learn is abiding in him. And so... Um, now, it's important, though, you know, and the, you know, this pruning could also be like suffering or health issues. I mean, God can use anything, right? He can use anything. Um, and, and so what we might want to do is say, God, uh, let me be sensitive to what you're doing in my life to maybe even think that this thing that's going on is a pruning so that you'll make me more fruitful. And so like, it doesn't make some of these things more less painful in the experience, but it can help us endure if we know that God could be using this, right, to bring about fruit down the line, right? That there's something uncomfortable happening, a pruning from God, right? He does this with individuals. He does this does with, with churches. He does this with organizations. He'll prune them. Because saying maybe there's some things that are going on that need to be um, uh, taken care of or moved out of the way or changed or whatever so that he will receive more glory. And that's what it's about. Okay? That's what it's about. Now, um, so just think of pruning, I think, as anything that's keeping you from being more fruitful. And we don't always know what that is. So we need to pray that God will give us eyes to see when he's doing that. Uh, and, and you need to, we really need to, and the way I said this was accept the pruning. We need to let it happen, right? We can complain, and it's okay to express our discomfort to God. He can take that. Just read the Psalms, right? But, but we need, do need to go to a place that when we're wrestling with God and that we eventually kind of just realize he knows best, right? Uh, we can even pray for something to be removed or the difficulty to be removed, and that's okay too. But if he doesn't, it may very well be because he is wanting to achieve something that we don't understand, something that will bear fruit. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 11 says, For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. But later, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Now, there's some interesting thoughts in this verse here, but I think there's definitely a connection that some of the pruning is disciplinary, you know, some, because we're off track with God. We're, we're willfully allowing sin to remain there that we know God wants us to deal with in our life, right? And so he brings some discipline into our lives, some difficult, painful, and he even says all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, right? <clears throat> Any parent 
who loves their child will lovingly discipline them. I'm not saying abuse them, but discipline them, okay? You can't just let them do whatever they want. They're not going to learn discipline. You're actually harming your child by just letting them do whatever with no boundaries and not learning that actually life has boundaries. And some of those boundaries, if you cross them, you can't come back from, you know? And so part of the parent's job is to discipline their children so that they know the, that, they're, that I love my child, right? My discipline has to be done out of love so that they would know there's a purpose in that, right? Now, um, in this verse, it says, we're, you know, you could actually go through the discipline but not be trained by it. <laughs> you could kind of like endure and put up with it but not really learn from it. And we don't, you know, by God's grace, we don't want to be in that place, right? It happens at times. We, you know, but God's very faithful to usually cycle us back around, <laughs> okay? At least from my experience, he's very good at, oh, he missed that lesson. We're going to eddy him right back around, you know? Uh, yeah, it happens. It happens. So, but just know that's a loving father. That's a loving father doing that because he knows there's something that needs to be achieved in your life that um, will bring worth more fruit than what it is now. And so, so this verse, I think here in Hebrews, Hebrews 12, really does connect, even uses the word fruit, the peaceful fruit of righteousness. And the only way we experience that is if we're trained by it. And it really comes back to this idea of surrender. Kind of like, okay, God, I give up. You're in charge. I need to let you have your way. I don't know what you're trying to do in this situation by allowing this, but please, God, Help me, help me yield. Help me not to complain. Help me to, to cling to you uh, to, so that you would help me, right? So that's one aspect of, I think, how he, how he uh, brings about uh, bearing fruit in our lives is accepting the pruning. And then the other is just the, um, just the idea that's mentioned here multiple times, and that is abiding abiding. Uh, some translations use the word remain, like remain in, okay? Um, and boy, I tell you what, um, if you search Amazon and you look for abide and God, you will find so many books written on this topic because we, uh, everybody wants to know how we can abide because we know this is somehow a critical aspect of our life in Jesus is abiding, okay? I, I'm doing my best to try to convey what that is, but I don't think I'm ever going to get to the bottom of this, this side of heaven, but we need to pursue what it is, okay? And I do think at the very least, abiding is remaining close to Jesus. It's abiding, I think, is at the very least, is remaining close to Jesus. You know, when you put your faith in Christ, you have begun a relationship, right? A relationship with God, through Jesus, okay? And like any relationship, it can be close or distanced or somewhere in between, right? Well, abiding, I believe, is, um, is us um, remaining close to Jesus in relationship, okay? And God has given us as believers a number of means or avenues to, I think, draw close to him. All right? And so we should want to 
grow in those ways, okay? So, like, if you think about it, there are, in a sense, kind of pathways to, to drawing close to God. One of them is just being in his word, right? Being in his word. In fact, uh, Jesus says in that John 15, in verse 7, he says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, right? Then he says, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. But I just wanted to focus in on that God's word abiding in us, right? I think there's a way to understand this verse because you could, someone could look at this and say, like it's A plus B equals C, like A would be abide in me, B would be, uh, and my words abide in you, and C would be, ask what your mission will be done for you, like prayer, answer prayer. Or another way to look at this would be as that abiding in Jesus is same as having his word abide in us. In other words, it's a restatement. I don't know which it is, but I'm just saying it could be. It could be a restatement. And if that's the case, then if I want to abide in Jesus, I need to have his word abide in me, okay? And that means not just like just knowing information. It means that's where it begins, but but it's then like appropriating that information and believing it. And sometimes it means, you know, if it's an action that it's required, it's acting on it. It's actually believing the word, right? So believing is really an active thing, right? Because if I believe it, I'm going to be affected by it and it will change my behavior as well, okay? And so, in fact, we even pick up on that in the passage, that so abiding, if we want to abide in Christ, um, you know, and we, look, we need to pursue the means of staying close to Jesus, what I think one is, uh, some, you know, call it your devotional life, whatever, some people call it devotional life, time with God, uh, whatever. I don't care what you call it, but spending time with Jesus in his word, right, uh, and asking God to draw you close, to speak to your heart, right, to grow the relationship, because um, you know, you can know about me, you can read about me, but you're not going to know me unless you spend time with me. Truly, you will not know me unless you have time with me. It's that way with Jesus. If we want to grow close to him or closer, then we need to spend time, right? And I know that's kind of like weird to some people, especially if you've not heard that before. It's like, well, how can I spend time with somebody I, I can't even see? Um, and I totally get that, you know. But the Apostle Paul, somewhere, you'll have to search it out. I can't remember the reference. He says, like, the idea of, like, you know, we love him even though we don't see him, that's a miracle. <laughs> it's a, that's just a, the new birth is a miracle. That we could love somebody we have never seen, Okay. But that's what happens when the Holy Spirit uh, invades a life. All right? That's what happens. And so, so you know, uh, Paul says in Romans that, you know, his spirit is within our spirit crying out, Abba, Father. That's that relationship wanting to happen to grow close, okay? And so um, I, I've known some people, uh, and I've read of some people that will, they try to find a special place in their house or wherever they are where that's their place with Jesus, and they'll even sit a chair there, okay? Just to remind them, the Lord is meeting with me, you know? Um, 
you know, they're not expecting Jesus to, you know, by use of the, uh, the tra- you know, uh, the transporter to come down. All right, but but he, it's just their way to say, "I'm meeting with Jesus here. I'm getting in His Word. I'm praying to Him, and I." And that's that's how we abide. Is abiding in Jesus is trying to remain close to Him. And another thing is just leaning on Him, being dependent upon Him. That is also an aspect of of abiding. Is you know, when you think about remaining in Him, that other word that's used is is a dependency. Right. The more I see that I need Jesus in everything I do as a Christian the more I'm going to be abiding, okay? So many times as Christians, and I confess, I'm one of them, will say, I'm kind of living my life like I can do this, like on my own. I can live this day to the glory of God without leaning into Jesus. Now, I don't verbally say those words. I don't even think those thoughts uh, intentionally. But if, you, if I had looked at my day, I'd be like, I didn't even talk to God once today. Now, hey, I'm not trying to guilt anybody. I'm just saying that's reality, okay? And that's why we need a Savior, okay? Amen? That's why we need a Savior. And, but the idea is that, you know, that we would want to be with him more regularly, okay? And so uh, if, you're, if your time with God is like nil or almost non-existent, then just start with 10 minutes with God, right? 10 minutes with him, 10 minutes in the book of Mark, whatever. Start reading about Jesus, um, you know, just read about the life of Jesus in the Gospels. I, I like Mark. It's a short book. It's very action-oriented, just me personally. I like all the books, but if you don't know where to go, that's a good one to go. And just spend 10 minutes. Start off with a prayer. Lord Jesus, you know, Heavenly Father, help me to understand what I'm reading. And Lord, if I've got questions, help me to find out what the answers are, right? And then you just read a few verses, and a lot of times something will, will hit me from the passage or it might be in the form of a question, or it might be like, oh, I know exactly what he's saying, and that really, I can identify with that, you know? And you just sit on that. Uh, I, I am more and more, as a believer, um, I'm not against, you know, reading through the Bible in a year. I think that's fine. I have a hard time doing it. Other people don't. Um, but, but uh, and I'm not against it, but I, I'm more spending like a, a little bit of verses, a few verses, and more time with that. Um, that's just me. Other people have no problem reading through the Bible in a year or something or whatever. They got a plan. They're working it. They're getting a lot about it. Just do it. If it's working for you like that, do it, okay? Um, but spending time with the Lord, uh, being dependent upon Him. Well, how do, how, do we, how do we express our dependency upon God? Any thoughts? Prayer. prayer. That first thing come to my mind, prayer, right? Um, as a kid, I was totally dependent on my parents. I had to ask my parents for everything, right? And some of you guys are like, I can't wait till my kids can do things for themselves, you know? They can fix themselves breakfast. They can do this and that. I get that, you know? But initially, they are totally dependent upon you. They have to ask you for everything. And I'm just thinking that's kind of like, in one sense, a picture of dependency on God is, uh, and, you know, we, we all fall short. The, the point is not to beat ourselves up here, but the point is to be in a pursuit. It's to be in a pursuit of abiding, 
right? And part of that is getting the Word of God to abide in us, spending time with Jesus. And you know what the result's going to be, I think, uh, is that some of it he says there is we're going to see God answering prayer. Because he says, if you abide me, my words abide you. Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. That's some powerful statements here. And I think what's happening, just one take on it, is that when we have God's word abiding on us, we've got more of the mind of Christ, our prayers are really more in alignment with what he wants. And therefore then is answering these prayers, right? Uh, it's not like a blank check prayer where you can just pray whatever you want. I have my quiet time today. Now I pray whatever I want. You know, I need that Lexus, you know, <laughs> whatever. But I'm going to say, nothing wrong with a Lexus, okay? You got a Lexus? I think it's great. Um, but anyway, but, but that's the idea. Is it's not a blank check thing, but what he's saying is this, this, this remaining in, this abiding uh, affects our prayer life. It makes us more effective, okay, for the kingdom because he's going to get the glory, Right? The other thing that happens as we are abiding is what's going to happen is it's going to translate into obedience. In verse 10 of uh, this passage, um, it says, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. So as we abide and his word abides in us, then we it translates into, our again, like I said before, our behavior. We, we're following Jesus. We're obeying him. And not all the time, because we're still human, but more so, I think, over time, generally speaking, we tend to be ones who want to do, as believers, want to do that which pleases God. And when we fall short, we admit it, and we just get back up and keep running, right? I forgot to put the verse that this was all... Hinged upon, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I am him, he it is that bears much fruit. This is this dependency statement. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Yeah, isn't that amazing? Nothing of consequence, spiritually speaking or eternally speaking. Nothing. A lot of things we could do apart from him, but nothing that's going to have the impact, spiritually speaking, Right? And it's not going to result in the fruit that God wants. Uh, isn't this amazing? This is idea of abiding. I think that's why, you know, so many people have written so much on just what they think that is and how it works itself out. Um, it just makes me wanting more. I don't know about you guys. I want to know more what abiding is like. And uh, I think if we press into the things that we do know for sure, uh, and some of those I think I pointed out today, if we act on those, he'll bless us. Um, I don't want to misquote it, but let me get there. John 14. Uh, let see here. 21. 14, 21. So here, what I'm saying is, take the things we learn, put them into practice, God will bless it, and I think show you more. Here's where I'm getting that. John 14, 21 says, Whoever has my commandments and keeps them. Whoever just heard a teaching on abiding and does it. Okay? Okay, that, let me just insert that as an application. and say, whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me, and he who loves me will be beloved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest or reveal myself to him. I think that speaks of intimacy with Jesus. 
I think that says that if I take the things God gives me day by day, today being one of them, and I put that into practice and I seek him on it, as I do that, he blesses and he reveals himself more to me. He draws me close. Just like if we got to spend more time together and I let you in further into my life. Does that make sense? I, I, this is my take on it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for the fact that if we know Jesus Christ, we are united with him. This whole picture of the vine and the branches is all about our union, our being united with Jesus because we are his disciples. By faith, we're united with him. But then he talks about this whole aspect of wanting us to bear fruit. God, we want our lives to bear much fruit. Lord, let us not settle uh, for just being saved. Lord, we want our lives to bear fruit so that you would receive more glory. And so, Lord, help us to receive and accept the pruning. Help us to receive and accept the discipline you may be bringing in our lives. And Lord, help us to know what abiding is more and more and how to remain close to you. We know it starts with the means that you've given us, and that is at the very least abiding in your word and your word abiding in us. And we know it involves prayer. Lord, help us to draw close to you to be people who are seeking to know the Savior better, that we might be more fruitful. In Jesus' name we pray.